0: It's just after 6 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. (laughs) Yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea, Boyle, and Rabapuni. Trial lawyers that get results. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts
1: now. Now. Uh, KT Live, PSBR Law Studios in Las Vegas. It is a fat Tuesday and looking forward to a great show. Chris Wynn will be in studio. He'll be joining me throughout the show. Got a special guest coming up at 625 as well on the PSBR Law Hotline. PSBR Law, the best in personal injury for a long time in SoCal. Now year number four here in the Vegas Valley, Panache, Boyle, and dot PSBRLaw.com. Go check it out. Over $4.5 billion in verdicts and settlements the last five years for their clients Strength by your side, the relentless pursuit of justice is Panache. Boyle and Rabbi may not need him now, may need him in the future. Jot it down. You got the 702 area code for Vegas, 830-9353, 830-9353-830-9353. Great Fat Tuesday here in Vegas and a lot going on, and we're going to get right to it. Okay, we'll get to the Okay. So nothing. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to figure out we're supposed to go to the starting five, but I guess we don't have it right now set up. So let's go. Uh, We'll start things off and uh, go right to the scores. I guess that's what we'll do. Some gremlins in the system here. So let me pick things up. And move on down and get you started on some of the games that are going on right now. SportsX Radio, 101.5 FM, K-Dawn, streaming live on that Odyssey app. Pittsburgh has beaten Washington. That is a final 5-1 National League, only final in so far. Bunch of games that are going right now, and a big game in the American League. This is a battle... Where that wild card supremacy right now. Texas playing outstanding baseball kind of kicked them in the dirt because they were struggling mightily, but they have come on and tonight behind Max Scherzer, bottom seven north of the border. They lead Toronto 5-2 to two, and uh, they beat the Blue Jays last night. If they win tonight, they will pass Toronto with a better record. We'll get into that. Chris and I will be talking baseball playoffs and uh, we'll get in to uh, maybe not so much magic music tonight because the Orioles right now trailing 5-2 to two to St. Louis. That's in the top of the ninth at Camden Yards. But let's get to the starting five. Now, the starting five, number one. All right, if it's not number one on my list, then I'd be the only one that didn't have it as number one. And I know you're probably hearing it if you're listening to Sports, X, uh, Sports Talk Radio all day. doesn't matter what station. ESPN, of course, getting a lot of listeners today because everybody knows Mike Greenberg is a big-time New York Jets fan. And the uh, unfortunate situation with Aaron Rodgers. Now, last night, all we heard were x-rays were negative, so had no idea that they were looking or had an inclination that it could be a ruptured Achilles that turns out to be the case. We did not know until we saw Coach Sala on the postgame show when he said he feared the worst. He was going to pray, but still thought everything was pretty much evident as far as the experts in the medical tent and there in the locker room that uh, check things out. So Aaron Rodgers will miss the entire season. Absolutely incredible. I mean, when you look at all the attention and everything that Rodgers did to get ready for a training camp over the last decade, There, as far as with the Green Bay Packers, you never saw Rodgers go to the OTAs, get involved. He'd be fired up like this, uh, make sure he was in tip-top shape. But again, pushing 40 years old, body not what it used to be, kind of like a good car engine. Sooner or later, things start breaking down. One thing leads to another. And what I said about Aaron Rodgers, his last few years in Green Bay, not the same guy. Reason being, he stopped running last year just about 100 yards rushing, not the same guy. We saw the decline of Ben Roethlisberger, same thing. When he stopped getting that 15-yard run late in the game when everybody's covered, you knew that the end was near. I felt that with Rodgers, but he did come into camp. He was looking forward to playing with this Jets team, good, solid team, and it is unfortunate that we will not be able to see him 0 for 1 for 0 yards. Will that be the end of his career? We don't know. We'll wait and see. Number two. I'm going to get into this with uh, Chris Wynn, who's made it into studio. Chris is a big Michigan State guy, and we'll get into this in a little bit. But Mel Tucker right now, the current coach of Michigan State Spartan football team, of course, he is suspended right now without pay, and this does not bode well. Now, we're going to have a hearing, I guess, October 5th and 6th, but this is something, an investigation that's been ongoing since late December, Uh, apparently, Uh, Some sexual innuendo between him and somebody that was hired to kind of, you know, put the bill there as far as taking care of any type of sexual stuff as far as with the team and letting them know all about the repercussions and different things. And this is one that kind of knocks your socks off. Mel Tucker in his fourth year with the Spartans. Chris Wynn has made it in studio. C-Wynn, first of all, always great to have you here at PSPR Law Studios. But I know this team is near and dear to your heart. Real quick, in a minute, just kind of let me know your feelings as far as what's going on. And as Panish always tells me, innocent till proven guilty.
2: Absolutely, KT. Always good to join you here on a fat Tuesday yourself along with Mark Hoke. And, uh, yeah, we uh, obviously uh, Michigan State and the Big Ten – uh, especially Michigan State, Ken Thompson, not uh, not exactly uh, a rare thing to have controversy going on, right, when it comes to off the field but with the athletic department. Of course, everybody understands the Larry Nasser situation there with the uh, gymnastics situation. But, uh, of course, you're referring to the situation with Tucker, right, who's been suspended without pay, uh, pending that resolution of the school's Title IV case. Uh, now, the latest news also is that Mel Tucker has doubled down Yesterday on his claim, and it says that he's innocent of any misconduct a day after that USA Today investigation went forth of uh, him possibly uh, uh, having sexual harassment allegations against a prominent rape rape survivor in Brenda Tracy. So there are still details here kind of getting hashed out. We'll see how it all works.
1: There you go. And Chris and I will discuss this a little bit later. Let's go on. Mm -hmm. Number three. All right. Not good news for Kevin Porter NBA player, I mean, this guy could be in a lot of trouble, was actually uh, taken down to New York precinct, was arrested, uh, was released on bail. But I'm talking $75,000 cash bail. uh, Also ordered to stay away from Gondrzejek. That's his girlfriend. That is the niece of Glenn Gondrezek. Of course, his number hangs in the rafters here at Thomas & Mack. And remember Glenn's younger brother, Grant Gondrzek, that was his daughter. Grant Gondrzek just passing away a little bit ago at age 57. And, of course, Gondo, we lost him in 2009 at age 53. But his, uh, his niece, Glenn Gondrzek's niece, and Grant Gondrzek's daughter, uh, WNBA player, was at right now a free agent, but apparently she was attacked in a New York City hotel and left with a fractured neck vertebrae cut above her eye. And this is not good. Porter, 23, pleaded not guilty to felony assault and strangulation charges in connection with the innocent uh, with the incident. I'm sorry, uh, Millennium Hilton Hotel Uh, there next to the United Nations there in Manhattan. We'll look into this a little bit more. Uh, Kizri Gondrazak ran out in the hallway covered in blood and uh, the, the police showed up. Order was not there, but they found him and later took him into custody.
2: Yeah, very abhorrent details, right, Ken Thompson, when it comes to this. uh, The Rockets said we are in the process of gathering information surrounding the matter, involving him, and uh, they'll have no further comment at this time.
1: There you go. Number four. All right, sad news. I read this the other day, and when I saw the headline, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, the Chargers, are you kidding me? What happened? I thought maybe their current wide receiver, Mike Williams, got in a car accident or something happened. But it was not that Mike Williams. That Mike Williams is okay. It was reported initially that former Bucks and Bills wide receiver Mike Williams had passed away. And this came actually from his agent. The agent then went back and said the information he got was incorrect, but that Mike Williams was hooked up to life support. He did succumb today and passes away at age 36, the former wide receiver. Uh, Passing away at just age 36. Just hate to see news like that. No cause of death as of yet. We'll see if we can get into that a little bit more in the starting five. Quickly also right. It was five. And the last one we'll get into uh let me go and find that last one i was actually i was i was looking for it and then uh C win kind of threw Jumping me with in. a curveball yeah. that's all right C Win, that's okay you, it, it's what you do and uh things have changed a little bit here on the starting five uh our beginning thing but the wnba playoffs start tomorrow and our defending champion las vegas aces they will be at home it is only a two out of three and they play the chicago sky so you got to bring your a game defending champion aces can they do it can they make it back to back we know they lost three of five to the team that finished second the new york liberty i'm assuming both those teams probably get to the finals it'll be interesting but we're looking forward to action starting tomorrow Michelob Michelob ultra light arena right here in vegas the aces against the chicago sky and that is our starting five, thanks to Mark Hoke, our producer. And see when that's yeah. the thing. We, with uh, the starting five, only have a certain amount of music Last for man. each one. So that's why I couldn't let you elaborate too long. Absolutely. Otherwise, we'd be juggling over here trying to fill some music there, and you don't want KT to start humming. That won't go well. But uh, it is cool to be in a new time slot, 6 to 8 p.m. right here on K Dawn. It's streaming live on that Odyssey app. Folks, if you haven't downloaded the Odyssey app, the best in the business, A-U-D-A-C-Y, it is a free app. And the great thing about it is for all the shows, you have the rewind feature. So as soon as the show's over, you go back. You can search that show, whether it's the Mark Hoke Show. My producer does a great professional wrestling show on Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. You miss that show, go back. Search Marco, boom, comes right up. Same thing with SportsX Radio and all the other great shows on K Don and a lot of the other networks here across the Odyssey app. So outstanding coverage there. And then, of course, KT has his two Twitter handles, now known as X, at SportsX Radio, at Ken Thompson 87, pinned to both of those archives about 40 minutes after the broadcast, 90% of the time. Every now and then I slack a little bit, but other than that, uh, it is up there. But, see, when it is great to see you. And i got a special guest coming up in about eight minutes from now. And I'll get into it, but it's going to deal with the Little League World Series. Right. And I, I have a good buddy uh, that I had no idea was part of the El Segundo team. In fact, he was the manager of that team. We used to work together back in the day at the warehouse restaurant right there in Marina Del Rey. Admiral T. Way still there. My best friend, the shredder, Brett Carlson, and shredder and I. Talk, you know, pretty much three, four times a week. He owns a construction business there. But Danny Boley, him and his brother Mike, also worked at the warehouse restaurant. And uh, Danny ended up managing that El Segundo team. And he sent me a bunch of clips from a bunch of big-time people prior to that final game as they took care of business and knocked off the team from Curacao 6-5 to five, in a game where they lost a 5-1 lead in the fifth inning on a Grand Slam home run by Curacao but came up big and this kid Louis Lappi big time effort i think he had 5 home runs in the little league world series in williamsport so i'm going to get into that with Danny Bowley. i said danny can you come on you know i asked him last week he's like no i got to do this on uh, and then i'm on espn and then i'm there and and he's there with you know all the guys there in the in you know the, the coverage and everything i mean he's big time now so i'm like hey can you can you can you squeeze in sports x radio I said, what about Tuesday? He goes, uh, KT, I can give you 10 or 15 minutes. Gee, thanks, Danny. I appreciate that, man. But no, he was just having fun with it. But it was great because I had no idea because I was watching all those games with no sound. So I had no idea that he was the manager. After they won it, he's like, out of all people, KT, how do you not contact me? You've got the sports talk show.
2: I go, Danny, I had no idea. And talk about a way to end the Little League season, right? In dramatic fashion, the kid hits hits the walk off bomb and uh, creating a lifetime memory, right? Ken Thompson, when it comes to that event for those kids of uh, from El Segundo and and for all the kids and and even the kids from Las Vegas, right? They're able to make it to Williamsport and actually play in that segment of the Little League World Series tournament. So, uh, Uh, let's get it correct. Let's get it correct. Not
1: from Las Vegas. From Henderson, Henderson, Nevada, baby. Let's get it in there because KT lives in Henderson for a long time. Look, yes. I love Vegas Henderson. We we, we got to have, you know, whether it's Summerlin <laughs> or North Las Vegas, whatever, we're all the same. But at the end of the day, I know Henderson wants to claim them just like the Silver Knights. They play in Henderson, the Raiders practice facility. It's in Henderson. So you always want to kind of... Claim that a little bit, especially during success. I stand corrected, KT. There you yes. go. No, you're sitting corrected, but Henderson. nonetheless, you're going to be corrected, See when exactly. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll keep things rolling. Atlanta up six five on Philly, National League bottom eight was six two. So the Phils fighting back. That was Frieden Wheeler in the starters. The starters there. met six to two over Arizona. Arizona came back and beat them last night. The Diamondbacks right now, if the season ended, would get that third and final wild card. But again, trailing six to two meanwhile Milwaukee behind Freddie Peralta bottom seven, they lead Miami two to one, Arizona starting just ahead of Miami, who got whipped last night, eleven nothing as uh my uh Milwaukee playing very good baseball at home and still a nice solid lead there in the NL Central. the cubbies. They are 10 games over five hundred, bottom two. They got an early jump on Colorado, 2-0. We'll keep an eye on that one. San Diego and the Dodgers a little bit later on. Waka and Lynn in that one. Lynn minus 159.5. Your total. Texas, as I said, 5-2, bottom eight at Toronto. Scherzer, uh, Ryu on the hill for Toronto to start that game. Yankees have just taken the lead over Boston, 2-1. They won the first game in Beantown. This is a day-night doubleheader. Yankees looking for the sweep over uh, the boys from Beantown, the Red Sox. 2-1, Two to one. Tampa leads top seven at Minnesota. They can pick up a game on the Orioles if the uh, things hold up. Because right now the Orioles last licks at Camden Yards. They trail five to two to Adam Wainwright and St. Louis. Oakland in front of Houston. Four to one. Beat them last night. I think Houston only had one hit in that game. If unless they did something in the night, but Waldichuk had six no hit innings coming out in relief. Uh, pretty impressive. Replacing Moss Miller, who had only given up one hit. And Kansas City shutting out the White Sox right now, bottom four on the south side. Chicago, Bill, you're lucky you're not at this twin bill because KC won the first game. And uh, let me see, they won six to, oh no, the White Sox, I'm sorry, White Sox got the first game. Sorry, not, not as bad as I thought. I thought KC won the first game 6-2, but it was the White Sox behind Dylan Cease that won that first game. KC leads the nightcap, 9 nothing again, bottom four. So still plenty of time to go. Can't count anything with KC. And Cincinnati and Detroit over there, bottom eight, 5-5. Five, five. And the Reds right now, they're in need of wins And Detroit. They're not going to make the playoffs, but they can be a spoiler.
2: Quick note on that, too. The Reds, obviously, in that battle, in the nationally Card race, you talked about those Phillies and those Cubs at the top of that list. You've got Arizona, San Francisco, Miami, and Cincinnati all kind of right there. The Reds, KT, very favorable schedule down the stretch here out of all these teams vying for a wild card, That's a good call
1: because Arizona has a very difficult schedule. In fact, their last three are against Houston, and if Houston needs those games, that doesn't bode well. For uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, but they have a very tough schedule. In fact, their last three series are against American League competitors, uh, teams that are battling. So that's kind of weird the way it works out, schedule-wise. And
2: the Red schedule, their their toughest toughest test the rest of the way is against the Minnesota Twins, that team out of the Central. That's probably it's going to be the only representative in the postseason.
1: There you go. All right, one segment in the books. Come back. We're going to talk with Danny Boley, manager from the El Segundo. World Series champion, little league team, and what a parade they had on Sunday. We'll talk about it. Lots of college football throughout the evening, lots of NFL talk. We'll get to the Aaron Rodgers saga and the New York Jets. Where do they go from here? Got so much to talk about. Keep it right here up till seven o'clock. Mark Hoke producing the show. And again, like I told you, the Mark Hoke show, best in professional wrestling in the country. Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., right here. K Dawn, 101.5 on the FM side. And of course, Streaming live on that Odyssey app. You're listening to SportsX Radio. I'm Ken Thompson with Chris Wynn in studio. We'll be right back live from Vegas.
0: All
1: right, KT coming back on a Fat Tuesday. talking a lot of college football, a lot of NFL later on. Yes, the Aaron Rodgers thing is uh, top of the line. I mean, not just as far as sports news, but everywhere. I mean, you name it, news channels covering it left and right. And uh, look, anytime somebody gets hurt, I hate it. I don't care if it's a team I root for or don't root for. The end of the day, I don't want anybody to get hurt. I want everybody to be healthy, make it through the season. Look, they're entertainers and they do their best and to see somebody prepare as hard as they did and not even get a chance to shine something he's done throughout his career is uh rather sad but here's the other thing sometimes you know you go through life and you gain that wisdom now back in the day when KT was hanging out with the shredder back in southern cal right i mean i lived in san diego so i lived the beach areas there but then I end up winning this model search competition. So I move up to the L.A. area and start hitting the beaches there, right? So got a place in Santa Monica. First day there at the warehouse restaurant, I end up getting a job bussing tables, right? I have no idea about L.A., nothing. And I ride my bicycle there to the warehouse restaurant, and I get this job. And the waiter that I'm working with is this guy, Brett Carlson from Modesto, California, the shredder. Like you talk <laughs> about the perfect surfer-type guy, and beach volleyball guy, it's the Shredder. So he's like, after the first shift, he's like, hey, we're going to have a few beers down the beach at my place, da-da-da. Grinchy, come on down. He even found out my nickname is the Grinch, so he was the Shredder. So everywhere you went, it was the Grinch and the Shredder. But I remember hanging out there uh, with the Shredder. And the, the next day, I had to be at work at 4 o'clock to set up the busser stations and everything like that. And he didn't have to be there till 6 o'clock because he was waiting tables. And he tosses me the keys to his Jeep and goes here, Grinchy, I'll get a ride with Walt. You just uh, take my Jeep. And I'm like, God, this is the greatest, man. I love this place. This is awesome. I just ran into the coolest guy ever. It was all well and good until I got on Admiralty Way. And those of you that know Marina Del Rey know where the warehouse restaurant is. It's still there. Iconic place. And uh, as I'm making the left turn just to pull into the warehouse restaurant, what do I hear? The old sirens behind me. And I'm like, wait a minute. I, I have my blinker on. I'm doing everything right. And uh cops pulled me over the tags were expired they came and uh, took shreddy's jeep away I, I told him right away he knew right away and you know but just one of those things that was too good to be true i was just glad that uh, they didn't take me away got in there worked my shift but it was the coolest place i ever worked at and i worked at gladstones over there in the malibu area but the warehouse restaurant was the coolest because everyone that worked there was ultra cool we had the white shorts and hawaiian shirts and so many of the relationships, I was able to, you know, stay in touch with people in the shredder. Brett Carlson still my best buddy. We see each other. We talk to each other three times a week. But one of the other guys I got to know was Danny Bowley. And Danny and his brother Mike, they were iconic athletes there in the beach area and, you know, beach volleyball guys. And, and Danny was a, a, an athlete in all these types of sports. So I haven't seen the guy in forever. But we stayed in touch, and Danny's friends with Freddie Couples, and he'd always go to Augusta, and we talked on the phone. I was going to try and get Freddie on the show. But they'd go, and they'd get cabins or whatever or, or houses right there close, and Danny's real close to a bunch of big-time people. And, uh, you know, still I lost contact with him. So I had – we have our each other's numbers. And so last week, all of a sudden, I get this text like, you okay? You all right? And it's like – and I'm like, yeah, like Danny Boley, Like what's, what's he texting me for? I have no idea the guy was the manager of the El Segundo Little League team that wins the Little League World Series. Here I was sweating out everything with uh, manager Gifford and the Henderson team because I lived there, Ryan Gifford and, of course, his son Nolan, and what a run they made representing Henderson getting to Williamsport but falling a little bit short. But I have no idea that my good friend Danny Boley was the guy He was the manager of the Little League team from El Segundo. And, DB, it is great to have you on SportsX Radio. Guys, I kind of had to get everybody caught up. But, man, that is absolutely ridiculously cool. And for you to, you know, text me, and I have no idea because I'm watching all these games with no sound on and have no idea that you're the guy. And, of course, then I looked at your picture. I wouldn't have recognized you anyway. You look like you're in the witness protection program with the beard and everything. (laughs) Wow, Grinchy, what an entrance into this podcast.
3: Unbelievable um yeah dude it was uh it was something else and and you having the sports show and 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 knowing me I thought fuck I I haven't heard from the Grinchy in a while I wonder if he if he's okay and that's why I texted that because usually you're on top of all this stuff real quick um and it just happened to be uh you know your sound was down you probably weren't hearing the announcers and saying the names if you were still watching the games but yeah man it was an unbelievable ride and a roller coaster and and ups and downs and sickness and all that stuff. So, yeah, epic, epic times for for El Segundo.
1: All right, so tell me how you got involved because, of course, you've always been a sports guy. You and your brother, Mikey, are big-time, you know, athletes, and there's nothing that you got. You guys were the most competitive brothers, and, you know, I always enjoyed, you know, what didn't matter what we were doing, but that's the way we played. We played hard. We partied hard. At the end of the day, you know, we we really went at it and we, you know, it didn't matter if it was just a pickup game or whatever it was, it's just the way that we played. And that's uh, the way that you guys are. How did you get involved with the El Segundo little league team and how did you become manager and, and then tell us about this epic ride. And of course, uh, we'll get into the final game, which was iconic and uh, made for a storybook ending.
3: Yeah, sure. So, so when I uh, moved to El Segundo, I was living in Venice at the time, and I was I owned Fonza's in Manhattan Beach, which was a nice high-end steakhouse restaurant um, that ended up closing in. I sold in 2017, but I moved out to El Segundo, uh, had a uh, got married, had a son in 2011, and obviously, knowing mine and Mikey's background and, and nature of sports and competitiveness, and um, you know, Mikey still coaches at Loyola, which is probably the greatest volleyball program ever in high school history in the nation uh, over there in in Los Angeles. And so we had a lineage of coaching. My dad coached us. Uh, I coached high school baseball. I coached high school basketball. I coached high school volleyball, uh, coached a little bit of college volleyball, then coached the, the, some of the beach pros on the beach tour on the girl's side back in the late nineties. So coaching had always been involved in in our, it was always part of our life growing up and, when this when Quinn got old enough to start playing T-ball, I was always a big proponent of if there's a good coach, that's great. But I don't just want a dad going out there and doing stuff where the kids aren't, aren't getting developed. Cause I knew my son was going to be athletic because it's in his genes. So I always wanted to make sure that if anyone was out there doing things, it was going to be for the right reasons and not just babysitting for two hours, whether it had been a practice or a game. So I took control of that and say, hey, look, I'll, coach and i'll do certain things and you know lo and behold fast forward at 10 years old i i got the all-star coaching job because i was voted to. Hey, this is our guy for these kids and um the kids at that time at 10 i knew it was special we had three kids on the team that were were like really really good and i it was only going to get better from there so i took them at 10 we won the state at 10 which is as far as you can go at 10 and 11 years old, we lost in the semis to Scripps Ranch up up uh, down south. And uh, at the end of that year, I knew we were just like, God, we're one person away from having a really, really, really strong team that can make a real good run at Williamsport. Well, at the end of that year, um, this guy that I had coached with his son who hadn't played Little League for four or five years because he was that much better than anybody else, he calls me up and says, hey, DB, buddy, I love the way you coach. I love the way you handle the team. Um, if I bring my son back next year, is there a chance you can coach him? And I said, Ted, absolutely, bud. I got him. I got him. I'll make it happen. So he comes back, right? And we do. You got to have so many regular season games in order for you to play all stars and tournaments. That's just the Little League rules. And played enough games, and the kid ended up being Lewis Lappy. Lewis lappi's one of the top twelve year olds in the nation, if not the top twelve year old in the nation, both from an offensive standpoint and baseball IQ and defensively. So he joined the team this year. Right? So now not only are we really good, we're the strongest team in California without a doubt. So we go on this epic run, kind of smoke through districts, uh have a have a have a, a battle tested game in sectionals but come out on top and and go undefeated there as well get to state and we get into the finals, we lose we lose we have a double final. If we lose, we get to play another one. But Sherman Oaks beats us in the first game, so now we have a one game winner take all go to the regions in San Bernardino. So we win that second game in a unreal fashion in the last inning. And then we get to the regions and we play a team from NorCal called Bollinger Canyon, which has a kid that's throwing about eighty miles an hour. Which is equivalent to probably one oh four, I think, major league baseball kind of Jacob DeGrom kind of style. And, you know, everybody hits a fastball, but if you have a little bit of extra stuff, it's going to be tough to beat. And uh, long story short, we came out on the end of, uh, winning end of that, going undefeated there as well, and find ourselves in Williamsport. And, and that's where it all kind of started. And we and, uh, were just happy to make it to Williamsport. So um, that's the story of how I coached and how we got
1: there. There you go. Great stuff. Danny Boley, our guest manager of that El Segundo Little League team, Ken Thompson, Chris Wynn in studio. PSBR Law Studios, 101.5 FMK, Dawn. So it's not just a podcast, Danny. You're live on the air. Five nights a week, the Grinch is live on the air. Uh, not just a wow. podcast, But you Look, it'll go into podcast after the show's over, so people listen all over the world. I have freaking listeners in Kazakhstan for the love of God. So you'll be heard. You know, it's not just Little League World Series now. Now it is the Little League World Series. That's right. So people in Curacao that are all upset and ticked off at you because you beat them in the final, they're going to be listening over there and uh, they're going to get a little ear from uh, manager Danny Boley and the El Segundo team. Before I throw it to my partner Chris Wynn, let's just get to that epic game because Curacao down 5-1, to one, they get a grand slam to tie things up in the 5th inning before Lappy, of course, with his incredible walk-off home run and there was something you said to him because you didn't think Curacao would pitch to him because he already had four home runs in Little League World Series competition there in Williamsport. So you thought for sure, more than likely, they're not going to pitch to him. But what did you say to Lewis?
3: Yeah, so, you know, I, he comes in. And I say, Lou, come, come here real quick, brother. I said, uh, I don't think they're going to pitch to you. But if they do, don't chase. Don't, don't, don't chase bud. Cause I don't want you to have it. I don't want them to have a chance to try to get two strikes in and then they can mess with you a little bit. And I don't know if you remember the movie Hoosiers, but it was very similar to the Jimmy Chitwit story and Gene Hackman when he needs a, a shooter on the team and he can't find one and he goes out and he finds a shooter. And the end of that whole series, he gets them on the team. And at the end, he, he makes a play up for other kids other than him because they think he's going to double team him, And he looks at him and says, coach, I can make it, right? And so the end in the end of, ending of that story of Hoosiers, he shoots the ball and he makes it. Well, Lewis looks at me after I say that and he says, "Coach, I got this, don't worry." So I'm like, "Oh, I love this kid, right?" So he gets up to the plate and again, I have a mic on my my shirt and I and I can talk to Carl Ravich up above and I can talk to Jess and Todd Fraser and and I look and I take the mic, and I kind of cover it, and I go, hey, Carl, if they throw to him, and they miss, it's going out, and lo and behold, after that first curveball outside, the second pitch, I, he must have missed, because the catcher was lined up in the other batter's box, if you looked at the video, um, and he hit it, threw it right down the middle, and it was it was out when he, I mean, he knew it was gone as soon as he hit it, and uh, the rest is history on something like that, but it was just an epic time, and it was shocking that they pitched to him at the same time. It was emotional that we had just walked off a world series, uh little league world series, world champs, number one in the world. Like the feelings were just like, what are we going through, man? What the heck is going on here? So yeah, it was just spectacular and I couldn't be more happier for the, uh, the kids that I had and the coaches that I had with me. They were all so respectful and also humble after the win and, uh, You know, obviously thank the Lord Almighty up above for looking after us.
1: Great stuff, my boy. Danny Boley, manager of the El Segundo Little League World Series champions. Ken Thompson, Chris Wynn. C-Wynn, a question for DB.
2: KT and Dan, I'm thinking about a uh, flashback to uh, Bull Durham when Crash Davis looks back in the dugout after hearing that story, Danny, and says to them, hey, if he, if he pitches me, uh, if, he, if he goes right down, I'm taking him downtown. That's the first thing I yeah. think about when I heard that story from you, my friend. Hey, uh, look, uh, yourself along with uh, Grinch, along with myself as well as probably Mark Hoke. Uh, Obviously, we have memories, right, as athletes in youth sports in high school and in college for myself as well, too, and uh, the memories that we have as players. But talk about that experience, right, at the Little League World Series in Williamsport from a guy that was uh, from a coach's perspective, right? Obviously we want to focus on the kids. It's an opportunity for them. That's a once in a lifetime that uh, they'll never forget as players. But talk to us about that experience from a coaching standpoint of being there in Williamsport with your team.
3: Yeah. So, you know, it, you, so every morning I'd get up, I'd get a cup of coffee about four thirty in the morning. No one was just starting to get light out. And I'd go sit in the stadium, Lamadi stadium by myself and, I'd get real emotional and, and I'd cry a lot. Um because I just couldn't believe that we were actually here and and it's stuff that I would dream about when I was ten and eleven and twelve and you'd see the Jim McKay uh would do the A B C and you'd see the Cory the Cody Websters or the Cory Websters from Kirkland beat Chinese Taipei and you and it obviously over the years it the T the, the, the V has gotten way better and the, the production has gotten way better and now the kids are announcing themselves and saying funny things but you just dreamed about that as a kid right now. And you can only dream to your 12 for, from this standpoint, because world series doesn't go on after 12. So now you got to go, go into the big leagues and Babe Ruth and Tony ball. So I'd go out there in the mornings and, and that's what I would do. And I'd come back and I, you know, tell the kids, you guys know what you're doing and you guys know how you got here. And, you know, every day I, I told them, uh, you know, Hey, what do you want out of this? Do you want to win? Do you, do you just want to be here? Like, I was always testing, testing them, and and seeing what they wanted to get out of this. And they all said, "We want to get as far as we can, Coach. We want to win this thing." And I said, "Great. Then you got to start working hard. You got to start getting working better. You got to start becoming one. You got to start becoming a family. You've Got to start understanding all this stuff. You got to play for each other. You play for the city on the the the, the city on the front of your chest, not the name on the back." So it became a process Mm -hmm. with these kids. And they wanted it bad. And as a coach, to be here with us, your son on your team, and, they're, and, and we're, we're doing well, and everyone's talking about how the big, oh, my God, the West is the team to beat and all this stuff, to try to keep him humble, a 12-year-old humble in those situations was hot, tough. And we dealt with a lot of adversity. The kids got the stomach flu. Eight, eight of the kids got the stomach flu. and It was, like I said, man, if the man upstairs wasn't watching after me, I would have, wouldn't would have had a team to field. Like they got sick early in the week, so they were able to play when Thursday came around, but only at 50 or 60%. So it just was an unbelievable experience, a whirlwind of, of adversities, of happiness, of, of sadness, of, of laughing, of joy. Um, you know, Jimmy Valvano always said, man, laugh, cry, and think, and that's a full day. And he's so, so right about that. Uh, when he passed away, uh, before he passed away, in the speech. And it's just that's what we did every day. We, we laughed, we cried, and we thought. And that's what we did. And, you know, it's, all that stuff is a recipe for success.
1: DB. So it was a great time. DB, I love you, man. That is awesome stuff. Look, when you're in Vegas, I want to get you in studio. I uh, haven't seen you in a long time. I'm going to make it to SoCal. i got to go out there and see Shreddy anyway but uh, would love to hang out with you and your brother. Of course, an iconic volleyball coach forever. You talked about that a little bit uh, but there he is. All those years uh, being the top volleyball coach in the country in high school and all of a sudden, here comes his brother and has this epic run and now is on all these shows and everything and your brother Mikey going like, what the heck? is? How does this happen? Like, How does this guy get? And of course, you're a cancer survivor. You're unbelievable. So you relate to Jimmy Valvano uh, with that speech and stuff. And I've got a brother, Sammy, that's a cancer survivor, my wife as well. And uh, you're just an epic person. I mean, that's the coolest thing is not only are you great as far as sports and your sports mind and we always had fun talking sports, but you are from the heart – and you're all about the Lord, and I love you, man, big time, and I can't wait to see you in person. But congratulations. Appreciate you taking time out of your night, and thanks for fitting SportsX Radio into the life of a World Series champion manager, Little League World Series champion manager, Danny Boley. Appreciate you big time, brother. You got it, guys. Love you guys. Uh Go gundo. Thanks for having me on the show. See you soon. Outstanding stuff. My buddy Danny Bowley, take a break, come back, wrap-up hour number one. Tons to talk about. Yes, we're going to get into football big time, NFL, college football. Mark Hoke is here with us producing. He'll be part of the show as well. Chris Winn in studio, Sportex Radio. Listen to it now or listen to it on the Odyssey Rewind, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Download that app now live from Vegas. We'll be right back.
3: Ain't race,
0: ain't nobody winning here
1: for a minute so everybody slow down yeah good stuff there that's uh, a little dirty heads everybody slow down a little uh out of kt's reggae music usually I save that for a Friday football fiasco but I uh, was listening to that one walking over my three miles today got to get those three miles in there see win and uh, Chris Wynn is now demographically in that area that's right he is in that range between the ages of 40 and 72. Mm -hmm. And what do I tell you? If you're in that range and you're here in the Vegas Valley, or if you're coming into the Vegas Valley, you better take advantage of the Preventative Diagnostic Center. Dr. John Pierce has this facility here for a reason. He's trying to help you prolong your life by being proactive. We've got the only scanner of its kind in the region. It gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart disease and lung disease. It is the Preventative Diagnostic Center. You can call now. They're closed, but you can leave your name and number. They'll get back to you. Schedule that free educational consultation. Make sure you tell them KT from SportsX Radio sent you. You know the 702 for Vegas. 534-7900. 534-7900. 534-7900. Comfortable scan takes a few minutes. A few days later, you get a detailed report from a board-certified radiologist. The heart CT scan and calcium score is the best deal in the Vegas Valley, bar none. Again, demographically, between the ages of 40 and 72. So if you're flying in, call ahead. Schedule this. Get there. It's right there off Rainbow. It's real easy to get to from anywhere in the Vegas Valley. And you can schedule that heart CT scan and calcium score. It's $125 for a $600 value. Guys, I tell you, don't get blindsided by the widowmaker. Ladies, heart disease the number one killer of women. Take all the cancers combined. Heart disease exceeds that each and every year here in the United States. Significant other, absolutely free. So the two of you, total of $125 can get your hearts checked out. Early detection is key. Get peace of mind. Take charge of your health. PDCenterlv.com is the website, PDCenterlv.com. You can go there. Some FYI questions answered. And also, you can take a look at the scanner. But it is the Preventative Diagnostic Center, Dr. John Pierce, 534-7900. And I will get Chris Wynn and Mark Hoke down there. Uh, I've mm-hmm. got to get Krivsky to help me because Kriv is already gone. He's gone a couple of times. I've gone several years. My wife, Christy, is a cancer survivor. She's gone. And it is the best deal in the Vegas Valley. you got to be proactive. But see, Wynn, it is great to see you. I haven't seen you in a long time. You filled in and, and did a bunch of shows for
2: KT mm-hmm. back in the old time slot, 8 to yep. 10. But I haven't seen you since then. How you been? It's been great to see you, my friend, as uh, we kind of roll into September and the fall here, obviously, with everything going on. But, uh, yeah, you, you know me. It's always great to be part of the SportsX radio family, and uh, over here at Odyssey, and of course, uh, uh, you know, with the plethora of action across the board, right, Kent Thompson, uh, this time of year, usually on Tuesdays, right, you're coming out of NFL week one, so obviously there's no NFL schedule, but uh, they might start ramping up, right, those Tuesday tilts in the MAC conference that they do with college football, but uh, taking a look at this Major League Baseball scoreboard tonight, Kent Thompson, we've got some uh, tight action going on. Yeah, we do, and uh, Philly was able to tie up
1: the Braves and uh, get that, Tied up in the bottom of the ninth, so six six they go to the tenth. Again, they'll start with that man on second base. Frieden Wheeler, the starter's not around for this one. 7-4 uh, now. The Mets have just added an insurance run. It was 6-2 Mets. Diamondbacks made it 6-4 and had bases loaded. One out in the top of the eighth. Could not get anything home. And now the Mets have added an insurance run. 7-4 Mets. Bottom eight. That's big in the wild card standings. Brewers have added an insurance run. They go to the top of the eighth in Milwaukee. They lead Miami now 3-1. Cubby's still 2 nothing. Bottom four at Colorado. Later San Diego and LA Dodgers. Waka and Lynn. Lynn minus 150 at the Westgate Superbook. 9.5 year total. Texas has beat Eaten Toronto, second night in a row north of the border. And now Texas, I believe, is a half game ahead of Toronto. I'll have to uh, check those standings there. The Yankees up 2 to 1 bottom 7 in Boston won the first game. The Bronx Bombers trying not to finish under 500 and trying to make a push. I mean, they'd have to basically run the table and I uh, hope they get some help, but they lead 2 to 1 trying to sweep a Twin Bill in Beantown. 3 to 2 Minnesota leads Tampa now bottom 8. That's good news for the Orioles cuz the Orioles got beat at Camden Yards 5 to 2 by the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Rob Rishi happy at least for a night. Uh, Kansas City now up 9-5, bottom six over the White Sox. White Sox won that first game by a score of 6-2. to And uh, 3-2, to as I told you, the Yankees won that first game. That was the final 3-2. to Cleveland and San Francisco just underway. Quantrill and Manea and 6-5 Cincinnati now leading Detroit, top of the 10th, still batting. Keeping an eye on that one. That's a big one for the Reds as far as their wild card chances. See uh, when our number two going to get into a lot of uh college football, and then we'll hit up on the NFL. We'll start with the NFL, of course, with the Aaron Rodgers situation. Got to pay uh, special attention to that, but really looking forward to uh, the Raiders' home opener. But that won't be this week. They'll be in Buffalo, and I was saying best case for the Raiders would be if Buffalo beats the Jets. This way, they're not going to be as hungry and as needy for a game at home, their home opener, and the Raiders may be able to steal one. Now you know Josh Allen after – taking everything on his shoulders and rightly so, you know, basically, you know, is going to come out and probably play one of his better games. So the Raiders better be ready.
2: Hey, it was, uh, I'm sure we're going to get into detail regarding the Silver Black in hour two of SportsX Radio, but uh, absolutely impressive for them to go up there and get a, w- a win to open up the season. But yeah, a little bit strange, right, from a schedule standpoint for Raider fans here in Vegas because uh, obviously they played the one preseason game here at Allegiant Stadium and they, you know, won't be back till at Allegiant Stadium with their fans until, you know, you're talking about, you know, into the 20th of September 24th, before they yeah. have that matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday Night Football, so... uh A little bit of of, uh, a a long time off, right, KT, when it comes to uh, seeing the Raiders here in Vegas? There you go. And the
1: Raiders and Bills, I didn't even check what that updated line will be. Uh, But it's. uh, let me see if I can grab it real quick as we're just about out of time here in hour number one. But here we go. Let's go down. The Bills favored nine and a half, total of 47 against the Raiders. I would never lay nine and a half the way Buffalo looked last night. Look, Josh Allen and that team just don't look like the same copacetic team that we've seen. I know they have Kincaid, the youngster from Faith Lutheran out of Utah the end of the day, they need a lot of work offensively, defensively, and Josh Allen's got to top, stop turning the ball over. We'll talk all about NFL College Football, Hour number 2, SportsX Radio, 101.5 FMK, Dawn. Yes, streaming live on that Odyssey app, AUDACY. Download it now. Live PSBR Law Studios, Ken Thompson, Chris Wynn. We'll be right back.
0: Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea, Boyle, and Rabapudi. Trial lawyers that get results. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready, because
1: Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Now. All right, KT with Chris Wynn, PSBR Law Studios here in Vegas, hour number two. We're going to rock and roll. We're going to go rapid fire throughout this hour. Lots to talk about. NFL, of course, the Aaron Rodgers saga last night. Very disappointing, but the Jets found a way to win it when we went off the air. It looked like, for all intents and purposes, overtime, it happened. And uh, the turnover machine, Josh Allen, my goodness, what has happened to his game? He has really regressed. Does not look like the same guy we saw in that tough loss against Kansas City in the postseason a couple years ago. It just looks like he's struggling and just thinking about things. And, of course, the Bills, with a 13-3 halftime lead, knowing that Rodgers is out, probably thinking, "Ah, we got this game, not a problem. And Josh Allen just looking a little nonchalant, complacent at times, including the last turnover, the fumble, after the Jets had, uh, you know, after they had, kicked off and and, uh, the Jets, well, I I guess it was when, no, actually when the game was tied and he turned the ball over there on the uh, fumble and the Jets took the lead, they were able to come back and get a very fortunate bounce off the inside of the upright actually wasn't really the inside it just had some English on the ball because normally when the ball hits the upright and gets that much much of it flush on it's going to bounce back and not go through but this one was able to carry him through at the end of regulation and that put the game into overtime then Buffalo you're feeling good about it because you get the ball to start overtime you get a touchdown games over you get a field goal they get an opportunity to come down and get the ball but you know you go three and out and uh You know, you have to punt the ball and then the punt return and a magical night for Jets fans. I don't think they knew. I didn't know either because when they're saying x-rays are negative, you're thinking, okay, they're looking at the ankle. So I'm thinking, what am I thinking? I'm thinking high ankle sprain. Something's going to keep him out three to six weeks maybe, something bad like that. had no idea until Robert Sala, the coach, came on in the post-game press interview and says about the Achilles, that's when I was like, okay – He knows, his medical people know, it could be all over for Aaron Rodgers. And going back and then watching the film, Chris, where Rodgers takes a couple steps and then sits down and kind of puts his hands on his knees, you could see the dejection like he knew he was hurt. So I'm thinking, okay, he knows he's hurt as far as maybe a high ankle sprain that he's not going to be able to continue for that game. You're all amped up to play that game. But had no idea that it would be a season-ending Achilles injury. Here he goes all that time to prepare all amped up going to all these events Madison Square Garden mm-hmm. Yankee Stadium all this stuff lo and behold o for 1 for 0 yards Lasting four plays, unbelievable.
2: Talk about a wild dynamic, right, Ken Thompson? When it came to that football game last night, first Monday football game of the season. All the anticipation in New York with Jets fans regarding having Aaron Rodgers there, kind of considered one of the you know missing pieces that could possibly be a, uh, an important cog to get them to the playoffs and maybe even to a Super Bowl. Dare I say that? And then, of course, it all goes up in smoke. Just four you know plays into the season after all the uh, you know tribute, the, the, the uh, fine tributes to 9-11, obviously before the kickoff of the game. You've got Aaron Rodgers running out with the American flags. People just all pumped up at MetLife Stadium. And then that quickly, all of a sudden now, everything is snapped back to last year for the New York Jets, where you now have uh, you know the young quarterback in there, and it's uh, and all of your hopes this season essentially riding on him and a quality defense they have. Look, I like Robert Sala as head coach, but uh, yeah, when you talk, up, we want to talk about you know the ebbs and flows and kind of the highs and lows for for New York Jets fans after that game. You saw the entire spectrum covered uh, with the New York Jets.
1: Wow, it is unbelievable. And now look at the stations that are again, it's a team sport. And we don't know about Zach Wilson. We do know that Zach Wilson was there to be the understudy of Aaron Rodgers, whether it be for one, two, three years. And I think brass probably feeling, okay, we spent the number two overall pick on this kid. Let's see if he can mature enough and learn enough under Aaron Rodgers, maybe the way that Jordan Love you know, really excelled. Because Jordan Love looked darn good against the Bears in his opener. He looked good in the one game last year, but he had to wait his turn. But again, that's that's three, four years with Aaron Rodgers. You're in camp, you're learning all this stuff, and you're feeling more and more confident. Okay, I've got the athleticism that Rodgers no longer has. And Chris, what I said about Aaron Rodgers, I said it last year, and I said it uh, two years ago about Ben Roethlisberger, that when I thought... The end was near for these guys was not because they couldn't still throw the ball with accuracy, because both guys could if they had a wall of granite in front of them. Now, Tom Brady never really was a mobile guy, always seemed to get the most from his offensive line. No matter who it was, he let those guys know that without you guys, I'm dead. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not getting outside the pocket too often. Every now and then I'll run and surprise people. But you guys, it's on you. And he had, no matter who was on that line, believing. But he also had that clock ticking in his head. He was the best at it. Got rid of that ball very, very fast. Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, what you remember about these guys, especially in big games down the stretch of a regular season or even in postseason, on a third down and, you know, maybe 12 yards If everyone's covered, what would they do? They'd take off and have that big-time run, right? We remember Rodgers had a huge run, a huge game, a playoff game against San Francisco several years back. And I remember Roethlisberger, how many times, big run, 12, 15, 18 yards at the key juncture when everybody was covered. But when Roethlisberger stopped doing that because injuries and age kind of caught up to him, and then Rodgers last year only rushing for 94 yards for the whole season, that never happens. He had one... Uh, gain i think of more than 10 yards you always remember vintage rogers but it almost seemed like he was content just standing back there and you know he's been doing it so long he kind of looked complacent at times for green bay because it was old hat he'd been there so long look you're not going to tell him what to do he's there he's in a little town basically a, a state where he's so iconic he can basically do what he wants and lo and behold You know, here's a guy like Brett Favre, as great as they were regular season, those guys both only won one Super Bowl. And I say only won one. Look, there's teams that have never won it. But they've been there knocking on the door many, many times, both those guys. For Rodgers, five championship games, only one win. That was a game at home when Jay Cutler got hurt. That's the only Super Bowl they went to and won, right? The other four, they lost those games at Lambeau Field. I mean, these are games that you have the home field advantage. You've got the weather advantage. You had Tom Brady coming up there that just played a dome game against New Orleans. You have him in the championship game for Tampa Bay, and he comes in and beats you. So I thought that uh, an underwhelming career postseason-wise for Aaron Rodgers, this year by going to OTAs and showing me that he was into it and maybe all the, the media and hype, and he wanted to prove, you know what, I can do this like Tom Brady did. He went to Tampa. Look, I don't need Belichick. I can do this on my own. So I said, all right. Rodgers is probably going to prove us all wrong. And, you know, I was looking forward to it. And for it to get short-circuited like it did last night, it is humbling. But we've seen sports be very humbling to different athletes throughout the years.
2: But what's extraordinary to me, KT, is the change in mindset and, and just the complete different direction now that the New York Jets are projected to go in, right? You just, just talked about, you know, Aaron Rodgers. You bring him there to be a piece that could possibly get them, to uh, you know, to another Super Bowl and winning another Super Bowl, the first one since, what, 1968, right? Now that's all up in smoke and it changes everything. It changes the dynamic. You brought up the, the the, uh, the, 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 it should have been an opportunity, right? For Zach Wilson to sit behind Aaron Rodgers, And maybe that would change his trajectory in his career. Right. And he would end up, uh, you know, obviously he was throwing the fire, you know, as a young player coming into the league, that's not what it was going to be. Now, now he was going to get a chance to learn from a, a veteran quarterback and sit behind him. Now that's not the case. So that all goes out the window. So that changes that as well too. So, uh, I mean, it's extraordinary kind of seeing just by this injury to Aaron Rodgers so early into the season how things are going to be different when it comes to all things New York Jets and then, of course, all things AFC East, especially after watching what the Miami Dolphins were able to do on Sunday. Uh, you know, look, the Patriots are probably the worst team of the division. But, uh, and the Bills, I think, are going to be right there at the top battling. But, uh, I mean, you're, you're, it's, it's, it just makes it very difficult. And uh, I, I got to say, Ken Thompson, I got to say. Even as a Detroit Lions fan, which is this is extraordinary saying this, I kind of feel bad for New York Jets fans today waking up this morning on a Tuesday after what transpired last night.
1: No doubt. And I will tell you who else was upset that uh, Rodgers went down and, uh, you know, were Packer fans. However, there is a bar in Wisconsin that when the Jets lose and Aaron Rodgers starts the game, you drink for free. So all these people, but he had to start the game. All these people, they had footage, I watched it, uh, footage from this bar, all these people, they're like, when Rogers goes down... They're running their tabs up big time. They think this is a joke. This is incredible. And they had these same people that you could see their faces after the return of the punt in overtime because now they're getting their tabs, and their tabs are probably another fifty hundred dollars more than they would have been, but they're taking advantage of the bar because Rodgers did start the game. He's out, and they're like, oh, we're going to run up the t- shots for them. Give us another round. You know
2: what? Give us two rounds. And then all of a sudden, hey, here's your tab, Mr. Wynn. So, get tops, you brought up the ending of this football game. Let's talk about this from a betting perspective, right? Because I was someone who did have some coin. On the Buffalo Bills, oh, minus boy. the two and a half in this tilt. I did have the under in this game as well, too, uh, sitting at 44 and a half. It was basically a no-sweater from that standpoint. It was a dead under the entire game, and and uh, you could see it coming in the first quarter, how this game was going to be played out. But, uh, you know, how about that ending for, for people when, it talk, when you want to talk about a betting perspective on either side of this game, KT? Yeah, no doubt.
1: I mean, here, if you have the Jets, you're dead in the water. You're down 13 to three and a half. You're looking. You're hoping you can get off it. And maybe some of them did when the Jets tied it at 13, right? Mm -hmm. They're thinking, okay, you know, I don't know what the line was there, the in running. I really didn't pay attention to it because I was doing the show and I was just trying to find out what I could as far as the update on Rodgers. But again, not thinking Achilles, although hindsight 2020, but when you go back and you watch, like, you know, Rodgers knows he's hurt, but I'm thinking he's just dejected enough because he's not going to be able to you know, the game, he just carried the flag out. I mean, all this stuff and all this time he's put into getting prepared. And here he is, o of one, zero yards, and he's out of the game. So I'm thinking, ah, he's out and he's probably going to miss a few weeks once it came back that the x-rays were negatives. Negative, but we had no idea. It wasn't x-rays that were needed. It was an MRI and they had that this morning. But you knew last night the writing was on the wall when Coach Robert Sala said, you know, we fear an Achilles, you know, and, uh, it's not good.
2: Yeah, Ken, when I saw the injury, I initially thought it was probably some type of ankle injury. Look, I'm not an orthopedist or a surgeon, but I, you know, but I, but he, the ability for him to even just stand up, if it, if it's a torn Achilles, I mean, the pain is beyond excruciating when you tear your Achilles tendon. And uh, for him to, to even see the video of him after the injury, right, when he's back in the back, and they had video of him back there with the boot on, and he was still able to actually walk, to me, that was extraordinary that he was able to even do that. So, of course... I was not aware that they hadn't done uh, any extensive testing or anything like that. I, I heard, heard about the obviously about the X-rays being negative. Another thing that gave people maybe an indication: oh, maybe it's something that could be a month long injury right. or a few weeks in which he could still come back, and that would give life uh, that, that would get hope to the uh, New York Jets fans. Obviously, the reality played out the way it was, and it's a torn Achilles' off for the season. But uh, I was actually impressed with Aaron Rodgers. I'm like, I'm like, if you have a torn Achilles and you're, you're and and when he was on the field and when the injury happened. And he was able to even stand up, and it didn't look like he was wincing. It didn't look like he was, you know, just in this utter pain. Uh, I was, I was uh, very impressed with Aaron Rodgers that, uh, given that injury, that he didn't really show any signs that he had a, a serious injury.
1: Here's my thing: I don't care if it's college or pro football. I know they brought the uh, the cart out and they took him to the locker room on the cart, and I know they'll right. do that if they know it's a broken leg or something with an air cast and whatnot. But when they're not sure, uh, when they're not sure uh i've got a problem with them not having some type of single wheelchair type thing where they could put their leg up and not have to have a six foot four guy leaning down on two people that are five ten and five eight respectively and so they're not really he 's not really getting you know much uh leverage there as far as or pressure off that potentially you know torn a c l or in this case a uh, uh, ruptured achilles i mean So you're risking more damage to whatever injury it could be. And if you don't know, why would you even take the chance? Why can't you have something, you know, set up to where you have some type of wheelchair that just goes out there? The guy's able to put his leg up, whichever leg it is or whatever, until you know about it. I mean, why do you risk having somebody, you know, have two people and he's got his arms around these people that can't even. Yeah, I I mean, if you're going to do that, at least send out two people that are his size or big guys, teammates or whatnot that can help him get off the field but i think it's just ludicrous they talk about all this stuff that we prepare for that's absolutely moronic and i see it at the college level i see it at the pro level and at the high school level and i think it should change there should be something set to where it's real easy just bring in the wheelchair we don't know but that's going to get the guy off and he's not going to put any more pressure on whatever potential injury it could be
2: yeah you would hope that uh look and and I, i expect that is the the expectation is that the medical personnel know as far as procedures and how they what's the best way to engage in something like that what you're talking about like i mean i want to sit here and act like i'm some expert when it comes to you know these t- these types of situations with injuries and no, well, that's what i'm saying though but you know just saying, get, but get something best way? yeah but I mean?
1: d- no but there's got to be something like a chair just something you're not mm-hmm. why risk have that guy put any pressure on whatever injury it is because you don't know you had to wait till 11 o'clock a.m. Mm-hmm. the next morning to get an mri why would you even risk that Because if it's, say, something that might be slightly torn, by the time the guy gets there, if he's put pressure on it, he might have torn it even more.
2: So, yeah, I'm picking up. What, what, you're, no, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I get that, you well, know. You. And it's especially important, right, when you're talking about back injuries, right? When you're talking about spinal cord injuries, where it's touch and go, and like any any uh, you know sudden uh, miscalculation, right, or some or some mistake made by a trainer, right, or somebody on the field could be devastating to that athlete, right? No question about it. So, uh, yeah, it's it's about taking precautions to make sure it, you have the best. Uh, available situation for the athlete.
1: All right, so real quick, where do we go from here? Zach Wilson, the only one that's on the depth chart right now as far as the Jets are concerned. And, uh, you know, I I mean, you're hearing all these things. Mm -hmm. Go out and get this guy, get this guy. You got Colt McCoy out there. You got, you know, different guys. Uh, You could trade for maybe a Jameis Winston. I heard Matthew Stafford's name being brought up. Not that the Rams may want to part after the way they played in Seattle that first game, but What do you do? Because here's Zach Wilson, where the team is much more acceptive of him this year because he shut his mouth and he started to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take advantage and learn under Aaron Rodgers. So if Aaron Rodgers is supportive and is there for Zach Wilson, I think the team should maybe give him a shot. This way, you know what you have in this guy. You spent a number 2 overall pick on him. You know what? Find out what you have. Why, why delay the inevitable if he's somebody that can't make it in the league if he's going to be a Trey Lance you know, and again maybe Lance makes it down the line with the Cowboys, maybe he gets another opportunity, but he showed San Francisco several opportunities he had, and he showed he was not ready for prime time at that position. Zach Wilson's had an opportunity now he's had an opportunity to learn under Rodgers somewhat. Now he'll have more time to learn under Rodgers. Why not let him go through the season and find out if this kid can make it as an NFL quarterback?
2: Well, you got to wonder about the mindset too, right, Ken Thompson? When it comes to Aaron Rodgers, as far as you, you talked about him learning from Aaron Rodgers, right now is in a rehab mode, right? I mean, this is a mode now when it comes to his head, where his headspace is at. Is that I got to get back from this injury? I have to, you know, heal from this injury, and then I've got to make a decision, right, about as far as my career. So I don't necessarily know if he's necessarily going to be. Uh, the greatest—he's uh, he's not going to be in the greatest position to be a mentor, right? Position when it comes to Zach Wilson. Now, with respect to Zach Wilson, Ken, let, let's be honest. I mean, a part of the reason why Aaron Rodgers was brought in because they don't have—they did not have the projection and the the expectations of Zach Wilson that quarterback. That's that was part of the reason. I'm going to sit here and say it's all the reason why Aaron Rodgers ended up in New York with the Jets, but it was part of the reason. So uh, that, that's kind of the elephant in the room that that the, the Jets don't really want to talk about. That being said, you brought up some of the veteran options, right? The guys out there, some of the part-time comedians We're talking about Tom Brady coming out of retirement for the Jets, not going to happen. But uh, yeah, there are absolutely some legitimate names when you talk about Carson Wentz, uh, maybe bringing him in. I think Matt Ryan would be an option possibly for the New York Jets to bring in as well too. Obviously, you're talking about bringing in somebody after week one of the season in the regular season, so that's going to be tough, right, uh, as far as that's concerned. But, you're, you're, I mean, you're looking. if you're the New York Jets, you're looking for the best option to help you win football games in a very competitive AFC East. And so I think that I don't necessarily think Zach Wilson's going to be that guy. Uh, he might end up being that guy, but I, I think that there are other options out there that they can take. All right,
1: real quick before we go to break, after they go to Dallas and we saw what Dallas did to the Giants. Mm-hmm. I mean, defense and special teams was absolutely suffocating on the Giants, 40 to nothing. What a beatdown that was. But the game after that, the Jets are home against New England. Now, how cool would it be if you know, Brady just came back just for that game to break the 14-game losing streak against the Patriots for the Jets and then re-retire? That'd
2: be simply outstanding. Are you kidding me? Especially after last week where he gets honored, right? I think he's put his, right. his number's getting put in the ring of honor with his family. So he was in Foxborough last week, and if, he, and if that actually happened, that would be outstanding, Grinch. And if wave, that actually, if and that wave that to Kraft up
1: in the suite while he's Dude, there in the how classic judgment. would that be? It would
2: be beautiful. Oh uh,
1: stuff that we uh but, uh, but you, like you to talked
2: about New York. How about how how about the whole craziness in New York? You've got the Giants getting waxed on Sunday by the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night football, right? Where they can't even score a point. The Dallas defense just looks absolutely phenomenal and dominant. And then you go to of course to Monday and what transpired, even though they get the victory, it's almost like they didn't get the win. You know what I mean? Like it's it's, it's almost like a sinking feeling, right? For the New York Jets. So New York football fans, uh, you know, uh, a mixed bag right now.
1: No doubt about it. Could be a long year for both the Jets and the Giants. And by the way, they'll both be here in Las Vegas to play the Raiders. Take a break, SportsX Radio. Going to hit the college football circuit hard. SportsX Radio 101.5 FMK, Dawn, streaming live on that Odyssey app. NFL Network is showing the replay of Miami and the Chargers right now. That was the game of the weekend. We'll touch a little bit more on the NFL, and then we'll hit all the college. We'll keep you updated on the scoreboard as well. Live from Vegas, 101.5 FMK, Dawn, streaming live on that Odyssey app. Live from Vegas, coming right back. you are rocking and rolling on a Fat yeah. Tuesday. Mark Hooks spinning the hits. KT with Chris Wynn in studio. C. Wynn is a big-time Detroit guy. Detroit Lions with that opening win, 21-20, on that opening Thursday night over Kansas City, which is great for Raider fans. Why? Because the Dolphins took out the Chargers. And, of course, the Raiders themselves took out the Broncos seven straight time. they beat beaten Denver. And so when you look at that AFC West, Raider fans, I want you to do this. Take a nice fat picture there because the Raiders are 1-0 and everybody else is a game behind at 0-1. You know, it may not last, but at the end of the day, enjoy it while you can. Now, I'm not saying based on what we saw from Buffalo last night, and I know they're going to be chomping at the bit to make sure that they even their record off at 1-1. and The Raiders have an opportunity because Jimmy G is a guy that doesn't beat himself too often, see wins. So I'm looking to see what the Raiders have. They're in West Virginia on the East Coast getting acclimated to that time zone. And look, if they lose 17-16, it's going to be a long week waiting to play Buffalo, and then both teams would be zero and one going into that game. But the Raiders got that W, so some momentum, uh, an extra day's rest. And meanwhile, they've got Josh Allen and uh, maybe some internal problems. Who knows? They got Buffalo second guessing themselves right now as a contender.
2: Yeah, you take a look at Raider Nation right now. Obviously, impressive to get a win over a division rival in Week One. Offensively, you'd like to see uh, in, in the coming weeks you get Josh Jacobs more implemented, right? More uh, impactful on that offense. Jimmy G is going to do Jimmy G things, right? he's a consistent guy goes out there had a pretty solid consistent throwing game not necessarily spectacular but he was he was very solid Uh, you like implementing Jacoby Myers into this offense more right Uh, obviously took the big hit there but uh, he was someone who was impactful uh, and was able to get in the end zone a couple of times obviously Devontae Adams is going to do his thing on the defensive side of things though impressive right defensively impressive you love Max Crosby come on Uh, and uh, uh, obviously when you're talking about off the field the situation with Jones that's a little bit of a strange situation but one concern I to have KT. I don't want to bounce this off of you. Um and we talked about this a lot in the NFL. Uh, it's not great when Nate Hobbs, a guy that's in the secondary is your leading tackler, right? When you have secondary guys that have double digit tackles and Nate had I believe four more tackles than anybody else on the defense. That's something I'm sure that's that's going to be addressed uh, in the locker room with the Raiders here in uh, uh entering into week 2 and this matchup against the Buffalo Bills because uh uh, yeah as 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 great it is for Nate to be able to be that productive defensively I don't think that's something that's uh, a positive thing necessarily for that Raider defense
1: yeah one thing good with the offensive line they didn't give up a sack they only gave up one tackle for loss they got two sacks of their own you talk about Max Crosby got that first one and then Jerry Tillery who had a key offside, and thank goodness it didn't hurt them too badly on a four down and you could just see that also you had the roughing the punter up by Masterson uh, so some Uh, Self-inflicted wounds there by the Raiders, but they had the two sacks and they had seven tackles for loss. That is big time. What they did not do, which has been a problem, doesn't matter who the regime has been over the last eight, nine years. They did not cause any turnovers. I mean, this is a team that really has struggled. They were one of the worst in the league last year as far as turnovers, getting 13 total for the year. Got to do better than that. But at the end of the day, when you win 17-16 because they missed an extra point in a field goal, Whatever, you'll take it. And when you're in a tight game like that, the one thing you do know, you've got one of the top three field goal kickers in the league and Daniel Carlson. His brother, by the way, now they're the guy that you're going to see a lot of because he replaced Mason Crosby yeah. there at Green Bay.
2: Uh, and also, talking about the AFC West, right? you've got three teams in uh, in the AFC West, excuse me, two teams in the AFC West, one in the AFC East in the Buffalo Bills. They're going to have a little bit of a hitch in their giddy-up. They're going to be a little bit more fired up next week after coming off of these losses. When you talk about the Bills, the Chiefs, and of course the Chargers and that tough loss to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, look, we understand that uh, not having your your best uh, offensive weapon other than Patrick Mahomes, it's a major factor in the loss to Detroit. We understand to had Chris Jones, who now is in campus side, uh, not having him there on their defense, absolutely positively would have impacted, I think, that game. And this is a Detroit Lions fan talking uh, against, against the Detroit Lions. So uh, the Chiefs, I think, are going to be uh, able to kind of circle the wagons here. But uh, I'll be interested to see how the Chargers handle this and, of course, how Buffalo handles this in a matchup against the Silver and Black coming up this week because, uh, yeah, as you pointed out at the top of the show and also during breaks, Uh, A a little motivation for those Buffalo Bills after this loss to the Jets. There you
1: go. And uh, you know what? (laughs) It it is crazy, but Kansas City, uh, not only, like you said, missing Kelsey, but missing Chris Jones. And Detroit, pretty fortunate that Kadarius Toney dropped a couple passes right there. I mean, I don't care who's playing or not. Kadarius Toney makes catches. Those two catches, those are game changers right
2: there. And a quick point on that, all right? Look, the two hype teams that were talked about in the NFL were the New York Jets, obviously, uh, coming into the season. And on the NFC side, I think the Detroit Lions were one of the teams that were very much talked about. And now they get a win uh, in Week 1. I think this kind of adds to it. Let's not get crazy about it. But uh, you can also take away some things in which uh, you absolutely need to improve on if you're Dan Campbell and that coaching staff. And uh, I think they'd be beneficial for them to approach it in a way that uh, you know they kind of got away with one because of the, the drops by the Kansas City receivers and the fact that they didn't have some of their monstrous key players on the field in Kansas City for that game. I think Detroit will be very much uh, benefiting if they, if they look at this in that type of way.
1: All I know is that Jordan Love looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Detroit looked pretty good. And that's our Thanksgiving early game, baby. I'm looking forward to that triple header. But that's a great way to start if both those teams play the kind of ball that we think they can. Green Bay, by the way, nine straight covers under Matt LaFleur against the Chicago Bears. Talked about that last night. Real quick before we turn our attention just to college football to close the show, let me just uh kind of update... NFL. We got Thursday Night Football. Minnesota at Philadelphia. Philly minus seven. Total of forty nine. Chargers at Tennessee on Sunday. Chargers on the road minus three forty five. Eckler could miss. Packers at Falcons. Pack minus two forty and a half. Colts at Texans. Colts minus one. Total of forty. Seahawks off a loss at Detroit. Lions minus six forty seven. I played Detroit already in that uh, Super Contest for Mark Lawrence. KT by the way going two and zero with Colorado and Texas in the. Uh, Early ones last week in the uh, first week of the Wise Guys contest. Bears and Bucks. Bucks three minus three even money forty one and a half at home against Chicago. Who'd have thought that the Bucks would be one and zero? But they took care of business at Minnesota. Raiders as we told you catching nine and a half total forty seven at Buffalo. Chiefs are minus three at Jaguars fifty one. I took KC minus two and a half. It's up to three now. I just figured you know what? I'll pay to see them go zero and two. You know, basically, uh, we'll see if they got Chris Jones, if that makes a difference. I don't know about Kelsey and if he plays how long or how much he'll go. Ravens at the Bengals. Bengals coming off the loss. And Joe Burrow, not in camp, not playing preseason. I mean, that's the thing. When guys didn't play preseason, a lot of them, they were terrible. Their timing was off. A lot of guys that didn't play any preseason struggled mightily. And talking about Josh Jacobs, yeah, he held out. No camp. Look, Josh Jacobs struggled. His average was 2.8 yards per carry, so... That's got to get better, but the Raiders still found a way to win. Hopefully, he gets acclimated more in the game against Buffalo. Uh, Giants at Cardinals. Giants are 5.5 at Arizona, 39.5. Cardinals look much better than the Giants. Of course, the Giants, everything that could go wrong, went wrong on that Sunday night game. Niners, as dominant as they were, open to six-point favorites against the Rams, who looked outstanding in Seattle. It's up to eight now. Niners minus 844.5. Christian McCaffrey was a beast, and Brock Purdy didn't make any mistakes again. Cowboys minus 9.5 against those Jets, because Zach Wilson will be at the helm. 39.5, your total Broncos stay at home. Take on the Commanders, who were fortunate to beat Arizona. Broncos minus 3.5, 38. Dolphins and Patriots Sunday night game. Tua, yep, looked outstanding. Didn't get any pressure on him. You don't Get pressure on this guy. He will pick you apart. And when you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, uh, amongst others, uh, there's a lot of weapons there, skill position-wise, for Miami. That's your Sunday night game. And then a doubleheader on Monday, Derek Carr and the Saints. Fortunate to get a win. Carr threw for over 300 yards. But, you know, some plays uh, he was under duress and had a big fumble. Uh, He's got to take care of the ball. And somebody, get the guy outside the pocket off the get-go. Just one time. Just keep a defense honest. Saints minus 340 is your total. And the Browns and Steelers. Browns minus 39-year total. I think the Steelers are going to come back and get a win and not go 0-2. It is KT's birthday. On that Monday September 18th so'll we'll, th- we'll see how things pan out see win
2: KT a couple key points on these NFL matchups right and of course reflecting back on week one when you look at the matchup in uh, Jacksonville obviously it's a repeat it's a uh a rematch of uh, playoff action in 2022 with the Jaguars and the Kansas City Chiefs there's a lot of people that you know that I've kind of seen and and heard the chatter and this this idea out there Kent Thompson that, that people are saying I just can't see Kansas City going 0 and two. Right, and I think that's affecting a lot of uh, people when it t- when they go to the window when it comes to betting this this game, and it's probably going to affect uh, uh, how things are, uh, are are approached from a betting standpoint.
1: See, but I said it differently. I'll pay yes. to see KC go zero and two. Exactly right. Then I know the Raiders. Then I know yeah. the Raiders are still ahead of them no matter what happens in Buffalo.
2: Yeah, I was I was liking the jinx, uh, the Grinch perspective yeah, right I, there.
1: I'll, I'll pay to see them go zero and two. Worst case scenario, they beat Jacksonville by three or more, and I win the money. I also, prob- also, that's where I should play money on instead of laying the two and a half.
2: Oh, I could definitely see it. But also talking about, there, there was a, a ton of live dogs last week, right? One of those games, of course, was that that Green Bay-Chicago game, right? Which essentially was kind of the opposite, I think, of what a lot of people expected to happen in that game. A lot of people expected Chicago with Justin Fields and obviously the new acquisition of DJ Moore and those guys. That they were going to be the team that was going to kind of kind of surprise NFL fans out there that how they're going to be much better this year. It was not the case. It was directly opposite, right? And even without Christian Watson in that on that wide receiving core for Green Bay, you saw uh, you know a, a young quarterback in Jordan Love go out there and, and play excellent, right? And second half and, he was really good. Yes, second half especially he was outstanding. So it gives a ton of hope for everybody in Cheeseland there and in Wisconsin that uh, you have Jordan Love there at the helm if, if he's able to continue to to uh you know to add on to what he did in week 1 against Chicago.
1: All right, jump to college real quick. Bama losing at home 34-24. That made my weekend. It was awesome. It was a birthday celebration. There were 5 of us virgos. Uh, all got taken out to this cool restaurant to where it's all this different types of meat they keep bringing it it's just phenomenal so uh, Sierra Gaucha is the name of the place and it's nonstop meat that's just, it's just one of those setups that's phenomenal it's a chain all over the country but watching they had the game on there and I'm able to watch Texas out of my left eye while everybody's you know talking at the table and I'm just keeping an eye on Texas beating Bama because I did say I thought Texas had a shot to win the game but I mm-hmm. took the seven and a half and then down to seven I like Texas and I'm glad that anytime bama loses at home it's humbling to save it's good to see him get humbled especially early in the season cuz i said they're going to lose in college station as well texas a&m they struggled mightily and they were uh, really, I, that score was not even as close. They, Miami took them out behind the woodshed in the second half, and that was a big-time win for Cristobal and the Miami Hurricanes.
2: Hey, KT, quick C-win uh, take when it comes to this Alabama-Texas game, right? I, I hearing from uh, college football experts all week long, You know, even uh, our guy Brad Powers, right? There was a lot of discussion. Brad brought this up at, on another show earlier on in the week. Yeah, you think about Alabama, right? You think about all the multiple national championships recently. They're a powerhouse in the SEC. We all get it, right? So you have this, this kind of expectation that they're the team. To beat, you know, and then there's kind of a revenge factor, right, between these two teams in this game. Let me tell you something. The Texas Longhorns, from number one player to number 30 player, they're a better college football team than the Alabama Crimson Tide are here in 2023 24. And that was clearly evident in that matchup in Tuscaloosa over the past weekend.
1: You will never see more of a quarterback discrepancy from one conference to another than if you take the Pac 12 this year against the SEC this year. It's a, I mean, and who's the best? SEC quarterback potentially could be Daniels, a transfer from the Pac twelve from Arizona State.
2: No question about it. So I mean it's and, and look and, and we haven't even talked about I know we're gonna get into some more college football here, but uh, you know, the the, the, the uh the, the, the cool stuff that's going on in Boulder, Colorado, you know, and beyond. So uh, but make, make no mistake about it, right, KT? Uh, it, It's all about the quarterbacks, right? That's I mean, at, at the end of the day, uh, that's kind of the thing we like to focus on when you talk about the college pigskin across the board.
1: I hate to say it because I like Jay Norvell. He's a good guy, but he left Nevada. More money, Ford Collins. Took some of his players. He's making a quarterback change. Millen, Clay Millen, who's been the starter that transferred from Nevada to play there. He's not going to start. They're going to go with a youngster uh, in the game against Colorado in Boulder. I will tell you right now, it looks like a lot of points, right? 22 and a half, whatever the heck it is. I think Colorado is going to win this game somewhere in the neighborhood of 48 to 7. I think this is going to just, they're just going to bury Colorado State. This is not a good Rams team. He still doesn't have enough players as far as I'm concerned. The end of the day right now, uh, the Pac-12 I think is 19 and 1 overall so far. They're only lost Arizona in overtime to Mississippi State. I gotta say, oh no, I'm sorry. ASU ended up losing. ASU ended up losing. Okie State at the end, yeah.
2: I gotta say, KT, though, I took it out of the chin when it came to this matchup last weekend uh, between the Huskers. You know, a long long time former Big Eight, obviously Big Twelve rivals in the the Corn Huskers and the Buffaloes. I absolutely was on Nebraska in this game, and I was dead wrong. No, but their their defense
1: was there. They had seven sacks, and they did what a lot of people thought they were going to do: is Mm -hmm. get pressure on Shador Sanders and company. Mm -hmm. Sanders. He took some sacks. He Instead of forcing the ball and turning it over potentially, he took some sacks knowing that Nebraska was not able to move the ball on the Colorado defense. I think Colorado State may score a few points, but no more than 10. And I think Shador Sanders and Bryant, are uh, uh, hunter, uh, they have another huge game. And all those receivers there for Colorado are pretty dynamic. SportsX Radio uh got one more good segment, so we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll hit some of the college lines coming up for this week. We'll touch on just a couple more games, and then we'll update you on the uh, scoreboard as well. Ken Thompson, Chris Wynn, producer Mark Hoke, 101.5 FM, K Dawn streaming live on the Odyssey app. If you miss any part of the show, go to the Odyssey Rewind. It's right there, right after the show. Just search SportsX Radio, 101.5 FM on the uh, Vegas side here, K Dawn, and then, of course, the Odyssey app from Vegas. We wrap things up right after this.
2: Does the hangy pain?
1: It's not Throwback Thursday, but Mark Hope throwing it way back to wrap up the Fat Tuesday here. KT Live, PSPROS Studios in Las Vegas, 101.5 FMK, Dawn Streaming, live on that Odyssey app with Chris Wynn in studio. As we wrap things up, update the scoreboard real quick. 5-4 Colorado, top seven leading the Cubs, 1-0 Dodgers, top three over San Diego. 4-1 Yankees, top nine still batting, trying to sweep the Red Sox. If they do, both teams will be tied a game over five hundred. Seller of the AL East, Kansas City clinging to a ten nine lead. Top nine South Side White Sox won the first game six to two, three nothing Seattle over the Angels. So here's the thing: Texas doubled up on Toronto six to three, beat the Blue Jays last night. Texas now a half game lead over Toronto, and if Seattle wins and they're leading the Angels three nothing right now, that means Seattle and Toronto would be tied. Texas would be leading both of them by a half game. Only two of those three can make the wild card because Tampa Bay's got one pretty much sewn up as uh, they lost tonight to Minnesota. That's good news for the Orioles as the Orioles don't lose any ground. They had lost earlier to St. Louis, but the O's still at 91 and 53. So 18 games left for Baltimore. If they go nine and nine, they win 100 games. Unbelievable that their win total was 79. Cleveland a one nothing lead over San Francisco. Every time you think the Giants are done, they get on a little winning streak. They've won four in a row. They're at home, top five. They trail Quantrill and the, uh, and the I, I said the Indians, I meant the uh, Guardians. Uh, again, top five. Every now and then it's going to be San Diego Chargers or or the Indians or something's going to slip up. Uh, I do finally have Miami Marlins down, no longer Florida Marlins. We'd make that mistake every now and then. Uh, Something happens with the cobwebs in the brain. But that a look at the scoreboard. Again, WNBA playoffs start tomorrow. uh, The Las Vegas Aces. In town, taking care of business at home. Hopefully, again, best two out of three. They're favored minus 16, 170 your total against Chicago. Connecticut at home minus 9, 159.5 against Minnesota as those two get underway. And then you'll have the other two series start on Friday. Washington at New York to play the Liberty. Liberty minus 9, 162.5 using the Westgate Superbook lines. And Atlanta at Dallas. Dallas, the Wings at home minus minus six and a half one sixty nine and a half. Tons of college football coming up. Uh, And, I mean, just some really good games. But Week 2 was epic, and it kind of told the tale on some of the teams. We talked about Miami getting a big win at home against Texas A&M. Uh, Thursday Night Football have the one game Navy and Memphis, and Navy getting drilled by Notre Dame in Ireland. Uh, then they play an FCS team, so can't tell much there. But Memphis, pretty good team so far. Uh, offense looks like it's clicking. They're minus forty-seven and a half. Uh, I think Brad Powers still likes Memphis in that game. Friday, you have three games, Virginia and Maryland. Maryland minus 14.5, total 49 at home. Army's at Texas San Antonio, Roadrunners of UTSA. They got the win against Texas State but did not cover, and the game stayed well under the total. Uh, UTSA minus 8, total 45 against Army. And then Utah State and Air Force, little uh, Mountain West action from Colorado Springs with Troy Calhoun's team, minus 10 against Utah State and Blake Anderson. So we'll see how that goes. 46.5 is your total. Some big games coming up on Saturday. See when Mark Hoax, Penn State, Nittany Lions, they're going to be on Fox against yeah. Illinois. And Illinois is not looking good. Nittany Lions minus minus fourteen and a half, forty eight and a half 48.5 in Champaign. Hoax, are you going to lay it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's no <laughs> doubt. I told you Illinois sucked. Yeah, I, I told I, you, did. you, you did. that. You did. You did. I, I, I got to admit, you did tell me that, and they got uh, beat up pretty good by Kansas. Uh, scored late and made it respectable, but still lost by 11. Sea win does Penn State cover? 14.5 in Champaign?
2: I don't think there's any question that they do. This is a, a, a fighting a lion I team that uh, is going to be a, a bottom feeder in the Big Ten this year, and uh, we're going to get a clear indication of that as they match up with the with the Nittany Lions coming up this weekend. All
1: right, so Missouri's pretty good, and they're tough to beat in Columbia, but I think Kansas State, minus five, I know it's crazy, but I think K-State's pretty darn good. I think Kansas State has a, a pretty good chance to win the Big 12. Uh, Texas, though, is is still the favorite, and then Oklahoma. But K-State's that third team for me that I'd look at.
2: You take a look at this Missouri team. I mean, the you know, uh, Drinkwitz talked about how this is a, it's a team that's going to have to focus on execution, right? and uh, they're going to have to execute big time in this matchup against uh, the visitors from Manhattan, Kansas. But uh, uh, this is kind of a—I mean, it's, I'm not looking at it in the same vein of uh, the Illinois-Penn State game, but I just do think that uh, when, you, when you when you talk about an SEC matchup uh, here, I think that the, that the Wildcats are going to be, uh, uh, be able to flex their muscles a little bit.
1: Still think back to the legendary John McKay when they asked him, what do you think about your team's execution? And he says, I'm all for it. I Exactly. How yogi
2: bear Ken Thompson yes. is, a,
1: is a quote, is that right yes, there? Yes, John McKay. And then they asked him, they said, this is back, of course, when Simpson was playing running back. And they're like, you know, the guy's carrying the ball 38, 45 times a game, coach. He's like, the ball's not that heavy. <laughs> it's just, it's <laughs> great, classic John McKay stuff. Uh, Alabama, minus 32 at South Florida, 60 and a half. Saban saying, I know my guys will get refocused. Is this a game that Alabama, who normally doesn't run it up, will try and run it up like 55-3 to if they can? I just don't know if the offense is capable of blowing somebody out like that. I don't know what the South Florida team has, but they'll be at home in Tampa.
2: Well, you know, Nick Saban talked about the issues that the Crimson Tide have as far as you know the, them being "quote unquote" fixable. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm some expert on uh, the the South Florida Bulls and their their capabilities defensively. But I would I do expect that the Crimson Tide are going to kind of right the ship here from an offensive standpoint and be able to put up some points. And I will take a look at that number of the 30 plus and probably lay the points with with Alabama,
1: North Carolina at home off a sluggish double OT win against. <laughs> The boys from Boone, North Carolina, Appalachian State. So two years in a row, those teams have played nip and tuck games. North Carolina minus seven and a half against Minnesota and P.J. Fleck Mm -hmm. in Chapel Hill. Keep an eye on that one. San Diego State, look, we thought this team could be pretty good defensively. They're not bad defensively, offensively, struggling mightily. And they struggled to stop the Bruins of UCLA big time last week. They're at Oregon State. How about Jonathan Smith's? Beavers, minus 24.5, total of 49. Remember, though, on deck is the Pac-12 opener between two teams. I said this was going to be a great game at the beginning of the year, the first Pac-12 game, Oregon State at Washington State next week, and now both teams in the top 25.
2: KT, the the Beavers showed out, obviously, right, in that Sunday tilt against uh, the San Jose State, the other Spartans. Uh, out of out of the Mountain West uh, with that big win there. But uh uh just absolutely lambasted. Uh the powerhouse that is UC Davis, Mr. Ken Thompson, uh, in a fifty five to seven win last week. So I still fully expect to see Oregon State uh rolling, particularly from an offensive standpoint, and you look at that number at twenty five in the hook. I think that uh, I think they can absolutely do that against a an Aztec team that seems to be kind of hindered right now. All right, Georgia's mind is twenty
1: seven and a half their third great third straight game in between the hedges Uh, against south carolina and spencer rattler and company no problem last week taking care of business fcs style over Furman after losing to north carolina and what was a close game but the heels blew him out in the fourth quarter uh if it gets to 28 i'll take a look at south carolina there uh, but respecting Georgia, they did not score in the first quarter in their game last week, FCS style, uh, But score and did not score in the fourth quarter, but put up 31 big ones in the second quarter, 14 more in the third quarter, 45-3 route. They got the job done. Okie State, Gundy at home against South Alabama. In Stillwater, minus seven against the Jaguars. Tulsa at home against Oklahoma. Sooners laying twenty-seven and a half on the road, 59-and-a-half. Tricky spot there. Uh, may be too many points. And then Michigan State at home in East Lansing. They're plus 16 against Washington. Kalen DeBoer will bring Michael Penix Jr. and that receiving core into Spartyland, fifty-seven and a half. and with all the stuff going on with Milt Tucker, see win. Do you lay the points?
2: I lay the points because, I mean, I'm just kind of looking back to the matchups between these two teams, right? Last last year, uh, that was kind of, that was kind of an opportunity, right, for us to see Michael Penix Jr. and, and what uh, he brings to the table as a signal caller uh, in that Michigan State game last year. Uh, I expect more of the same in this year, unfortunately, and of course, there's a lot of the turmoil surrounding this team off the field, obviously, that that uh, we've already gotten into when it comes to Michigan State.
1: All right, SEC Tennessee at Florida. Tennessee, a sluggish game last week, mm-hmm. and the last time they beat Florida in Gainesville, I think Mark Hook was. Still getting in for under 12 at the movies. I mean, unbelievable. Tennessee is favored, though, minus 6.5, 59 your total. Move on down. Vandy right here at Allegiant Stadium to play UNLV. Vandy minus 4.5, half, half. I know Brad Powers likes Vandy. Uh, he liked him at a lower number than that. I'm telling you, UNLV is going to win the game
2: there's the- there's the, there's the call right there right grinch as far as uh you know going out on a limb there uh look u n l v has showed us what i think they haven't showed us too much yet, right We had the expectations that they we were going to handle Bryant. they did they went on the road, played the number two team in the country and uh and actually they' were, they were able to keep it within four touchdowns which is kind of crazy to say. We'll get kind of an idea about what they are this week against the Commodores. There you go. Vandy having home games. Now you got to go on the road. Vegas, I hope you get out there and
1: support Coach Odom's team. They went to the big house. They covered the number and uh, they played with heart. That's what you're looking for when you go up against a powerhouse that's ranked number two in the country. BYU's at Arkansas. Arkansas minus eight. Wyoming's at Texas. Longhorns minus 28.5 against Craig Bowl and the Pokes. Uh, move on down. That Colorado-Colorado State game is now at 23. Colorado at home in Boulder, minus 23.59 the total. I'm telling you, they cover that game. Kansas minus 29 at Nevada. I really think Bishop Gorman could beat Nevada this year. And then UTEP at Arizona. Look for the Cats to bounce back, minus 17.5. That's still a pretty good team that Coach Fish has. And Fresno State, Panish has got to be uh, you know chomping at the bit. Fresno State minus three in Tempe against Arizona State. C. Wynn, great to see you. I know you're going to be back in. I know you'll nice. be hosting shows and uh, always appreciate you coming in, SportsX Radio Land.
2: Looking forward to getting it rolling in the fall here, Ken Thompson. Good to be with you, Mark Hoke. And, guys, let's get the week started. There you go. Tomorrow
1: night at Steiner's Pub. You know the rules. No drinking and driving. No texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Vegas PSBR Law Studios, Ken Thompson, 101.5 FM KDON streaming live on that Odyssey app. Archives up in just a little bit. Thanks to Mark Hoke, my producer, my buddy Danny Bailey. God bless. Good night, everybody.